This morning we are here at the end of a sermon series. We've just spent eight, nine weeks preaching through something that we are calling a rule for life. Talking about spiritual rhythms that we as a church want to get together and say, okay, we want to practice these. And we talked about how we do these spiritual rhythms not to make God love us. God loves us in Christ. So we don't do these things so that It'll make him say, well, I love you because you got up and read your Bible, or I love you because you prayed for me, or I love you because you reflected. We do these practices because we believe in doing them, we get to hear him say it. When we give ourselves to these things, we just put ourselves in a place where we get to hear from God more. We get to hear him say things like he loves us, that he calls us, that he's forming us to be a community. All these things happen because we give ourselves to these common spiritual practices. And today is kind of the end of it. So this is the last one. We're going to kind of do a little bit of a recap, talk about kind of a, okay, so what? So what might happen if we give ourselves to these things and then have a few practical takeaways here at the end? And as I begin to think and reflect, um, begin to think about a passage, what's a passage that really sums up what would happen if we all gathered together and said, okay, I'm going to give myself to this rule of life. I want to be a part of a body who is having a common life, something that we all share together and do. And the Lord brought my attention here to the book of Philippians as we read chapter 1, verse 27. And we're just going to spend a few moments here talking about this passage and specifically what could happen if we become a people who are sharing, as I said, this common life together. So let's turn our attention. If you have your Bibles, hopefully you're already there. Look down here at the page. Look down at verse 27. And we're going to just go statement by statement, talk about what Paul's talking about and how it affects us today. He says this here at the beginning, only let your manner of life be like worthy citizens of the gospel of Christ. Now mine is a little, I translated it a little differently for you there. Uh, yours, the ESV says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that's a great translation. But if you look at the Greek, it's a little more difficult. And I think most translations kind of miss something that I think Paul is getting at. That word, worthy citizens of the gospel. So what Paul's encouraging this Philippian church to do is live up to their citizenship. Now this is particularly interesting for the Philippian church because they were in the in this city, and this city was kind of like a little special city. They loved Rome. They really enjoyed being vassals of Rome. They got a lot of special gifts because they really loved being a part of Rome. They were obsessed with being Roman citizens. So Paul is writing, and he's saying, okay, keep in mind, though, that although, yes, you're you're citizens, you have a greater citizenship. You have been, as we talk about, transported out of the kingdom of darkness and put into God's new world. Remember way back during Easter, we talked about that when the resurrection happened, God started a new world here on the earth. We call it his kingdom. And if you're a believer, if you're following after Christ, he has taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into this kingdom. And now he's saying live as citizens. Live your life as a citizen of this kingdom. Now, here's something that I think could really help us when we realize that this is not some sort of metaphor. This is not just some sort of way that Paul's trying to help us kind of understand it. This is reality. This is the way it really is. We really are citizens of a new kingdom. 
That's what we are. And I know sometimes it's hard for us to think about that, but that is the reality. We now have a new citizenship. And right here at the beginning, Paul makes it really plain and really easy. Live that way. (laughs) Live that way. Now, let's think for a second. If it was really hard for Roman citizens to kind of see this dual citizenship, citizenship, how much more for us? Right? There's a temptation there, right? We love our country. We love it. I love it. I think it's great. It's got problems. All of them do. But I think we're we're pretty good. But there's a greater citizenship that we have. There's a greater call that we have that sometimes will bring us into conflict with our current citizenship. Where we can still say, I, I love this place. I love where God's called me. I love it. But this is wrong. This is not in accordance with the kingdom that I now live in. And if push comes to shove, I know where my citizenship lies. And Paul says, live this way. Live this way. How much would our lives change if we literally just thought about that for a second? And we really took time to reflect. We really went to God's Word and thought, okay, what's it like to live in this new world? What's it like to live in this new kingdom? And what we as the elders believe about this church is that if we can all get together, get all get around this rule of life thing and say, okay, we think this could be a good expression of what life in God's new world could be. Now this, the rule of life, as we said, it's not scripture, right? This isn't scripture. It's based on scripture, but it's not scripture. But we still believe, let's give ourselves to it. Let's see what will happen if we live this manner of life. What might it look like? So, that's a pretty big call. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Pretty high calling. What might that look like? I don't know if you read the Bible this way. Um, I'm a little analytical, so I'm kind of looking for, okay, if I do this, what happens? Um, This leads to this. Trying to connect all those dots. And I think Paul thought that way a lot. I think if you read a lot of Paul's letters, that's kind of how they're set up. He presents arguments, he has outcomes, he links all these things. And he's going to talk about now what it will look like if we all come together and live a life worthy of the gospel. Citizens of this new city, this new world, this new kingdom that God has created for us. Well, let's look at the next phrase. So that... Okay, so live this way, live a certain way so that there's a certain outcome. So that whether I come, see, I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are. One thing that happens when we corporately as a body live as a people of God, as part of another kingdom, something really weird happens. People notice. People will notice. There are tangible results. I think so many times as we move kind of past Reformation, we kind of sometimes swing the pendulum too far and we we come to this big divide that there's just like, okay, there's like a spiritual world that happens on the inside of my heart and what, you know, when I pray, that's all spiritual. And then there's this other thing that kind of happens outside. There, There is no this or that. It is all one thing. And when we live the way God called us to do, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, people will notice. Paul says, 
whether I come and see it myself or I don't get to come, I'm going to hear that you as a people are living a life worthy of the gospel. What does that look like in our city? What does that look like? It will be, Paul says, evident. I will hear about it. I might not even be there. I'm still going to hear about it. Do people look at City Church and say, okay, there, there's a people, they're doing something, there's some common good there, there's a common life, something's different, they're kind of, they're in my neighborhood, but he's not really like us. Like, what are people noticing? So what are they going to notice? Well, Paul tells us what they will notice. Really interesting. He makes a statement. <laughs> he starts to give outcomes. He starts to explain and connect some dots. And now he's going to mention three things really briefly that will help us know, okay, are we really living this common life together? Are we doing it together? One thing we miss um, in the Greek here um, is this word you, right? It says you. I come and see you, or I'm absent, that I may hear of you, that you are. He's, that's you that's plural. So it's not just he's writing this letter to some individual. He's saying that you together. So if Paul was a good southerner, he would have said y'all, right? So if he was writing to one person, he would have said you. But if he was writing to the whole group, he would have said y'all. So it makes, see, makes a lot more sense. Um, y'all. Well, I'll come see that y'all are doing this together. And what is he going to See, well, let's look at it. The first one right here, standing firm in one spirit. Look how much unity. All these things are going to come to unity. Standing firm in one spirit. Now, this is a reference to the Holy Spirit. This is how Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, the one spirit. And the rule of life is saturated in the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to do the rule of life. When we read our Bibles, when we pray together, when we fellowship with one another, when we give our time, talent, and treasure, exercising the gifts the Spirit has given us, when we all come together and say, okay, yeah, I know, to do this rule of life thing, I got to depend on the Spirit to do this. So I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to pray for the Spirit to come. I'm going to pray that the Spirit will fill me as I read God's Word, as I pray, as I ask God to direct me to people in my neighborhood that I maybe need to make friendship with and help and serve and love. All these things are so bound together by the Spirit. So if we say, yes, rule of life is for us, yes, a common life, we are signing up to live a life in the Spirit. What's the next thing that will happen? So there'll be a group of people. They will stand firm in the Holy Spirit. If there were um, some soldiers that were reading this letter, they would have thought, stand, like we all stand together in battle, right? We're going to stand together in the Holy Spirit. The second one, one mind. You're going to have one mind. Now, does that, think, does that mean we're going to think alike on all areas? No, it does not. In fact, I pray that we do not think alike in all areas. Other than maybe if we would, you know, some of you would stop supporting the Cowboys, I think that would be a good thing that we can maybe all jump together and say, okay, as a church, we're going to be one mind on not supporting the Cowboys. But it doesn't mean that. I pray that we have a wide range of opinions. I hope there's different political opinions, social opinions, cultural opinions at our church. I hope they all come together and I hope we never all just agree, okay, yeah, this is it. 
All right. Now, yes, there are things clearly prescribed in Scripture that we can all give our hearts to, but outside of that, secondary issues, I hope we always have a wide range of beliefs and thoughts. But if we all say, okay, you support this, I support that, but we're all going to live this common life together. We're all going to do this rule of life thing together. We're all going to commit to praying, reading our Bibles, reflecting, all these things. What we will have is unity in the midst of diversity. We'll look different. We'll believe different things. You think baptizing infants is crazy. We'll say, well, we don't think it's crazy. But we'll all be unified in a common life. And that is one thing that I don't know if you pay attention to just political culture, social culture, all these things, is vastly different. It's really hard to find a place where people have diversity of thought but are really unified towards one thing. And if we can come along and say, okay, this is going to be our common life that we share together, we might believe different things. Now, I don't think I have to to caveat that with like, you know, sin, right? (laughs) But we have different opinion on different secondary issues, but we have a common life that will bring diversity and unity. And that will be beautiful. That will be a picture of what the body is going to look like surrounding Jesus in Revelation 7. What else? So we got one spirit. We'll have one mind striving side by side. This is a really interesting phrase, striving side by side. Now, when a Greek person would have read this and they would have seen that phrase, you know, side by side, it's really just one word in the Greek. But what they would have immediately thought about is the athletic games, the Olympics, just kind of the athletic games that they used to participate in, side by side, one common team against a common opponent. That's kind of what the Greek word would have just kind of immediately triggered in their brain. Striving side by side. If we give our life, if we give our time, talent, treasure, if we give everything we have to this rule of life, we will become a people who are side by side. Not Pastor Jack way out front and the rest of us just kind of, you know, in his coattails, in his draft, you know, kind of. No, side by side, step in step. Now, that might mean, as we're step in step, some people may be weak, some people may fall down, but that means if we're step by step, we're picking them up. We're carrying them with us. If we're side by side, there may be times when we look at each other, or someone looks at someone and says, man, I need help. I'm tired, I'm hurt, I I can't keep going, what are we going to do? And we'll swoop down and say, no, we're in this together. We're working together. So we'll pick each other up. We'll carry each other. Towards what? One mind, one spirit, one mind, working together side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what I want. I want brothers and sisters next to me who are going to help carry me through with our eyes focused on this gospel, this beautiful picture, what God has done in this world for us, and we are going to contend for it side by side. But only to the extent that we share in a common life together.
So finally, with my last thing, let me just recap really quick the rule of life, a rule for life. If you have your bulletin, it's on the back. It's a little more detailed. We're currently uh, crafting up a really good document. I was really hoping to get it done, but you might have to forgive me. I didn't get it done. Um, Getting it in good language that we can all understand and hang on to. But they're geared around kind of three devotions, upward devotions, inward devotions, and outward devotions. And our upward devotions are prayer and Bible reading, being aware and attentive to others within the church and the world. Our inward devotions, reflection, meditation, and body, being aware of and attentive to yourself as a loved and needy creature. And then our outward devotions, fellowship, friendship, and giving, being aware of and attentive to others within the church and the world. If we can do this, if we can say, okay, at City Church, we have a rule of faith, what we believe, and we have a rule of life, how we live. Uh, I, God can do amazing things with the people who do that. And I think he's calling us to do that. So let me give, um, finally, just a reflection point and then a starting point for us as we've kind of finished this journey through the rule of life. Here's a reflection point. Take, think about how you can take one baby step upward, inward, and outward. Why don't you just take time today, whatever you got to do. If you're single, schedule time. If you're married, schedule time for each other. Say, I'll take the kids, and then maybe you take the kids for a little bit, and sit down and think, okay, how can I just take one baby step in Bible reading? How can I take one baby step in resting? How can I take one baby step in fellowship? Here's a good starting point for that. In September, um, I am going to start a Sunday school class. Uh, I'm not going to call it a class. It's going to be during the Sunday school time, but it's not going to be a class. It's going to be a cohort. I'm going to take 20 people, and we'll do sign-ups, not today. We'll do them 20. I'm going to take 20 people, and if more want to do it, I'm sure we'll do it. But I'm aiming for 20 people. And we're going to take three months, and we're going to walk through the rule of life together. And we're going to come together every Sunday and just simply reflect, hey, how did it go this week? What were some good takeaways? What, what was really hard about it? Where did you stumble? Where, what was, and we're going to do it together. Now, I'm going to take even another step. I'm going to, like, pre-package it as much as I can for you, okay? So I, it'll say, okay, on this day, read this scripture. On this day, pray this prayer. On this day, take time to reflect. And as you reflect, think about these two or three things. We're going to do this together and see what the Lord would do with us. So that's going to start in September. We'll have some more details coming towards that. But I think we are here as a church at this moment to really explore sharing this common life together, this common citizenship. Let us pray.